It's a beautiful day and a fine time for healing. Podcast host Randy Fine, a narcissistic abuse expert and the author of the groundbreaking book, Close Encounters of the Worst Kind, and the captivating memoir, Cliff Edge Road, invites you into her sanctuary, a place where your physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being are all that matter. So put your feet up, relax, and enjoy today's show. And now, here's Randy. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to listen to A Fine Time for Healing. I am your show host, Randy Fine. Can you imagine receiving answers to your most thought-provoking questions about life on Earth, spanning topics such as historical events to present-day environmental issues? That's what happened when today's guest, author and virologist Penelope Jean Hayes, communicated with the divine wisdom source, whom self-introduced as Pax, channeled through intuitive Carol Serene Borgens. What ensued was the writing of the groundbreaking and awe-inspiring book titled Do Unto Earth. Do Unto Earth seeks plenty, plainly, to the damage humankind has done to the planet, planet, both physically and energetically, and the ways in which we can fix it, from the global water shortage issue to the industrial-aged use of plastics, to the mass pollution of our air, water, and soil, this book addresses how we can halt further damage and begin planetary repair through advancements in both technology and consciousness. Penelope Jean Hayes is the foremost leader in the field of contagious and osmotic energy, known as virulinology, and she has appeared on television hundreds of times as an expert guest, including for Dr. Phil, ABC News, and internationally. In 2020, she founded the Viral Energy Institute for Personal, Interpersonal, and Planetary Wellness. Penelope is the author of the books, The Magic of Viral Energy, An Ancient Key to Happiness, Empowerment, and Purpose, The Likely Future, which has two volumes, and Do Unto Earth, which we're going to be talking about today. Carol Serene Borgens has the gift, as channeler and medium, of communicating directly with the spirit messenger Pax, channeling Pax wisdom for books and the world while also growing her own inner peace and balance in a world of uncertainty. Through automatic writing, Carol and Pax have brought wisdom and guidance to people around the world since the early 1990s. Um, This information is absolutely mind-blowing, so I'm excited to have you listen, and I'm excited to bring my guests. We have both Penelope and Carol with us today. Good morning, ladies. Welcome. Thank you. Good morning, morning. Randy. (laughs) It's great to have you both. Great to be with you. Okay. Okay. So what brought the two of you together? I had met, this is Penelope speaking, everyone. I had met Carol because I went to her for some channeling sessions, and then we had been acquainted. And it was several months into our knowing each other through channeling sessions that Carol had done for me with PAX that PAX had asked Carol to contact me and offer help for the Viral Energy Institute. So at that time, I had been doing classes and courses through the Institute since 2010, but I hadn't established the online platform until just this year. And so Pax had asked Carol to reach out to me, and then um, the rest is history. And it had started off, it was going to be information, resources, wisdom to offer through the Institute. And as we were writing, it was really only a couple of days in because it went very fast. Uh, we both said, you know what, this is a book. And not only was it a book, but the writing just continued and continued and continued. And we have this amazing, very large 450-page book, Do Unto Earth. And in the meantime, 
it's it's really oh gosh how many how many hours do we have Randy and in the meantime Pax sort of interrupted our <laughs> regular writing as we like to say for the two book series titled The Likely Future and that is about coronavirus and this pandemic that we are dealing with so those are mini books and they were kind of slid right in there as we were writing this very large book due unto earth so that's how we met and it's been since we started writing on October 2nd for Do Unto Earth. And so we're 10 months in and three books later, and um, it's just been a, a magical ride, hasn't it, Carol? Yes, a bit of a whirlwind. <laughs> Carol, Carol um, so you, how long have you been channeling PAX? Oh, since the mid-1990s. And you channel through automatic writing? Yes, that's correct, I do. Um, I started out um, with pen and paper uh, and always used that method when when writing for um, myself or for a client. Um, but you know, recently, well, perhaps within the last year and a half or so, it um, morphed into my being able to channel directly at the keyboard. Um, were it not for that, our work would not have gone nearly so quickly. <laughs> but yes, I'm not a voice channel. I'm not a trance channel. I'm in just a slightly altered state of consciousness, and uh, the writing or the typing um, comes comes through me um, very quickly. And uh, I like to say it's the greatest blessing in my life. Well, I think so. I, I think that's a beautiful blessing that you've been given. How does Pax identify his, herself, or um, its self? <laughs> he, he ref I use the, the phrase he, uh, and always have. He refers to himself as uh, spirit energy um, and uh, spirit entity, um, but... Uh, in our communications, uh, it's a very, uh, well, it's become over these many years, a very relaxed, uh, respectful, um, but relaxed and almost casual um, session when we come together, um, specifically uh, to channel with Penelope for the books. And um, so if this answers your question, he refers to himself as uh, spirit energy. Okay. Yeah, I'd like to and, actually uh, add to that, Randy, that oh, sure. when, we were, when we were writing Do Unto Earth, one of the very first questions that I asked, because it was such an important so for me, I was the newbie here. Carol's been doing this, talking to Pax for a very long time. And for me, my style is a very conversational style in writing and in interviewing. And so one of my first questions is I wanted to know exactly who Pax was. You know, are you a spirit entity? Were you once alive? Like, are you a deceased, um, you know, someone who had once been on the physical plane on Earth? I had no idea of who I was talking to. So coming from, the you know, a no-context aspect and trying to determine very early on, so I asked them several questions and was trying to narrow it down, and I then said, asked Pax, well, go ahead and ask you outright, who are you exactly? And his response was, we are one with the universe, not the universe alone. We are the divine universe, yes, and the God being, and the greater wisdom, that which knows and supports all and is healing, non-judgmental and tolerant, all-seeing, all-knowing, and peace. Can you imagine? Wow. Um, so, <laughs> wow. That's what I said. <laughs> right. So, um, so I wanted to start with the two small books, The Likely Future. There's a volume one and volume two. And as you stated, they are about the COVID um, pandemic, you know, that we're going through right now. Um, and there's so much information in there that do you take this as absolute truth? Who are you asking? 
I'm well, asking both answer. I do. either of you. <laughs> sure. Well, obviously, Carol's been working with PACS for many decades, and as someone new to PACS, my background was in studying a lot of metaphysical things. I'm a spiritualist. I consider myself very open-minded. However, very pragmatic simultaneously. I've been in media myself for years. I um, am careful as to what I involve myself with, and I don't just take everything um, without determining for myself through my own process of discernment whether I believe it or not. And so it did start that way. And I, didn't, I, I never did test packs, but naturally what comes up when you're questioning, um, you know, the, the divine universe, um, you're going to ask questions of your own interest, and that's what I did. And at first, some things were, you know, do, do I believe this? And as the process went on, time and time again, Pax has proved himself to me. And time and time again, I am absolutely amazed. You look at these books, The Likely Future, and the predictions, if you will, regarding coronavirus. And at this time, there's very few things now still in these books that have not become known to the public, although, you know, the really important things are still to be known. This is a must-read material. But as they started being revealed, for instance, that people are now, they're saying that they're getting coronavirus a second time. Well, we knew that months ago, and it's very hard for Carol and I to watch the news because we're like, this information can save lives. The information in the likely future books is life-saving information, and it is important for people to know, first off, that it's not that someone can catch the virus twice is that it has not left their body. So it lays dormant in something called anemones. This is a word that you can't even Google this word because it doesn't exist. This word was given to us from Pax and anemones are latent buds that the virus remains dormant in the cells of our body and can rebloom like a bud opens in the spring per se. So it can rebloom again and that's what people are experiencing. So to answer your question, as these things were revealed in the media, um, you know, things that when we first wrote them in April, uh, we just couldn't imagine this happening, and now it has. So I absolutely believe everything that Pax has told us. Okay. That's good. That's, that's really good to know. <clears throat> so Pax says <clears throat> that this coronavirus was created as a weapon of war, not meant to get out. Can you explain um, exactly what happened, what PAC says happened, either of you? Sure, we both can. Who would you like to hear from? Um, Do you want me to to, um, go for it, Carol, or would you like to speak to this? um, Well, I think that uh, let me just put in a a couple of words and then leave it with Penelope uh, to flesh it out. Um, uh, Our understanding from PAX is that it was, in fact, an accident. It was uh, an accident that it got out of the lab. It wasn't intended to. Um, That it was being created as a weapon of war, uh, PAX didn't say too much about other than it was intended uh, I think he said, Penelope, to um, render the enemy um, um, powerless. Pa- powerless. It says, yeah, I'm reading it. It was intended as a macro method of creating mm-hmm. a defenseless opponent. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, I don't think, has yet come out in the news, has it, Penelope? No. Of course, there's speculation, but Pax has confirmed that coronavirus did indeed originate at the lab in Wuhan, China, which is the lab that has been noted in the news. And in the second volume of The Likely Future, he actually identifies the lab worker as a young female and that she wished to do her best work. And she made a mistake in lab protocol. And in this mistake, then she wanted to cover her tracks uh, because she could have been in a lot of trouble for a mistake like this. So in the first volume, he describes how it was developed, that coronavirus, and I'm sure others, are being developed in many countries. But this very specific COVID-19 was, in fact, developed 
in a lab in Wuhan, China, as a weapon of war, and that it wasn't intended to be used at this time. It was being developed as a weapon of war, and it accidentally got out of the lab when this female worker made a mistake in protocol, and then in trying to cover her tracks, she disposed of laboratory subject animals, bats, because we... we, um, dug into it further, and it was indeed that. And that's how it got out into the public population. So um, you talk about wet markets, or actually PAX talks about wet markets. So it's where they sell these live animals. And so these uh-huh. animals were actually part of, um, so, so someone ingested uh, uh-huh. these animals, or more than one person ingested these animals and then were infected with this virus. Is that kind of what happened? Yeah, well, yes. Coronavirus has been around for a long time, and there are strains of coronavirus that naturally occur in bats, and that in the laboratory they develop them into a weapon, so strains that are much different than its natural origin. And so coronavirus in China in particular through the wet markets is something that they've experienced before, but this strain, and there's probably well over 30 of them now, uh, the strains of coronavirus that we're currently dealing with, these super strains, but that um, according to Pax, she disposed of the laboratory subject animals in a local wet market. Yeah, I, I don't believe he said much more. Uh, on that, did he, Penelope? Other than no, she just did, that, and she you did know, it. I've, she did it unintentionally. Um, yeah. It was intentionally developed as a weapon. The it getting out to the public now was unintentional, and um, that this this woman's life didn't. Um, Carol didn't. Pax say that this woman's life is just, um, you know, a very upset life now, having had this happen. Um, Her life isn't what it used to be. Indeed, but he also said that her life would, um, he didn't say it it would have ended, but had she been found out by the authorities, um, she she may not have continued living. Um, Mistakes like that are not tolerated. Um, So I think um, what uh, what he was referring to is her level of guilt and fear, and mm-hmm. yeah, imagine yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. Um, she was mm-hmm. just trying to do her job and do a good thing when uh, this escaped uh, from the petri dish out into the world, and oh, here we are gosh. today. Oh my gosh! Mm-hmm. So does does Pax have an overview of what this is all about? If you look at the big picture besides the fact of how it occurred, um, where we're going with this and what the likely outcome is for us. Uh, I I know that PAC says that uh, it's never going back to the way it was, and I think we all sort of feel that way, but it's hard to believe it. So what, what is the overview of all of this? Well, there is a silver lining, you know, in terms of not going back to the way it is. That's when Pax is speaking of our need to revert back to ways of old. To he, he says to go into the future by returning to the past, and that is your pathway to the future. So, you know, we have experienced many very positive outcomes from our changed ways. We've realized that we can work from home. We can have less traffic on the streets using less fossil fuels and we can diversify and we can pivot our jobs and how we work spending more time with the family Um, a lot of these things are positive outcomes so in terms of going back to the way it was a lot of us don't want to go back to the way it was you know to learn something from this experience is the way to go and Peck says that vaccines are not going to be helpful because of this latent um, bloom that the virus creates in the body. And so there's really no antibodies because the virus continues in the body and can come out at any time, which is very frightening, which means that there can be a resurgence um, 
at any time, and we have no way of controlling that. So adding to not that, only that, but we're. I, I just wanted to say quickly, Penelope, that adding to that, not only does it remain latent in the body and rebloom, but while it's mm-hmm. latent, it's mutating. It continues yeah. to change itself. So a vaccine uh, against what? It, you know, it isn't um, next week what it was last week within the body. It continues to mutate. And I think that's the most frightening aspect of it. It that's is too very that, frightening. Um, mm-hmm. That there is no, when you're between outbreaks, so once you catch it, it remains in the body as a latent bud, this anemone, but it also is still contagious. So while you may test negative, the testing really doesn't mean anything because you are not only are perhaps not sick between your outbreaks, but you're contagious between outbreaks, even while testing negative. Oh my it's gosh. really interesting. But he does, you know, there is hope because he is giving us a huge hint on what the ultimate, well, he calls it the final end to the virus in the body. And that will be found that our scientists can develop that through the drugs that were one time used for polio. So the drugs that entered into trials and were found to be successful for polio which will be a neurological interrupter. And when it is discovered, it will also be helpful to Parkinson's disease, another neurological disease. So this is a huge, you know, this is, this is a gift to humanity to get that information. It is the final end of the virus in the body. So it's not just, you know, a one-time vaccine or a, you know, it's the final end, and that's where our scientists should look. And Carol and I are not doctors. We're not scientists. We don't know what to do with that information other than to say, here is a gift. Take this. Tell everyone you know. If you know somebody in the medical industry, share this information with them, and hopefully they can develop something from that. Okay. Um, and that's good to know, but that's not happening anytime soon, Right. Well, we have to get the word out. So the more of these interviews that we do with yourself, Randy, and I know your audience now will probably share that information with people they know, with their friends. So we're, we're at the beginning. Carol and I are at the precipice of sharing this message that we've been given, and we can just okay. hope that that gets out sooner than later. Okay. All right. That's our greatest well, when, frustration is we have the information. It is. We want... <laughs> and need for it to be widely shared. So uh, being able to speak with you today is a gift, so thank you. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, you're welcome. Well, it's, it's a gift to have both of you as well. And um, I'm happy to be, you know, that, that outlet to, um, to help expose this information. And to my listeners, um, you want to pick up a copy, po- copies of these books, the Likely Future, Volume 1 and Volume 2, because you just won't believe it. Uh, you won't believe what you're reading. I mean, we gave you a pretty pretty big overview of the whole thing, but that's not all. And, um, yeah, and it talks about our world leaders and, you know, and how. You read the book, not. Randy. Huh? <laughs> You've read the book. No, I have read it. I have read both books. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know and you love the leaders, and, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just was like stunned when I finished the books. I was yes. like stunned. Uh, right. Anyway, that is the likely future, and that is the COVID. Now, what we're going to talk about today is your newest book, Do Unto Earth. And you said that's like a 400 and some page uh, book mm-hmm. with lots and lots of information. So tell us about that and, um, mm-hmm. you know, the, the origins and where that's going. It's just the most amazing book. 
And for anyone who's looking for these books, they're all at paxwisdom.com. So P-A-X-wisdom.com, and they're all linked there. So I wanted to let you know that now in case there's someone looking for them. Do Unto Earth is a blueprint for environmental healing, for planetary healing, for unity among the people on Earth for healing of discrimination and a lot of the issues that we're going through warring. It is a blueprint for peace on earth in all of its incarnations. And that's personal healing, interpersonal healing, planetary healing. And not only that, it's, it reads like a movie from the very first page. And I can tell you that with total confidence because as I asked questions and received the answers from Pax through Carol, it was like watching a movie for me. And it was just the, the most amazing thing. It's exciting. It's exhilarating. You, you feel like you just cannot believe what you're reading. So everything from what happened to Amelia Earhart and the disappearance of herself and her, um, her crew member in her plane to how the Great Pyramids were built, to what happened at Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. All of that super interesting stuff. And the reason why that came through, well, one, it was the questions that I asked. But secondly, Pax did tell us that he sees that the way to healing our world is through our curiosities, that it would be through our human curiosities that the readers would be interested in a book like this. And also in this book, he talks about we have a huge plastic problem on this planet. And not only does it not break down, it's a forever chemical made from crude oil. In addition to that, it's extremely hazardous. And we, you know, look around and wonder why we have all of these cancers and why children have, um, you know, attention deficit disorders. And you look at babies putting bottles made of plastic in their mouth and playing with toys and chewing on these things made of plastic. And this only started since the Industrial Revolution. This isn't the way it always was. You know, we used to have these things made out of glass or other materials, and all of a sudden everything, including our carpet, is made out of plastic. Do people know that? And polyester clothing, that's just plastic. So it's everywhere. And he gives us the solution to that. And that one solution, I'm going to go ahead and give you the big spoiler alert right now, is hemp (laughs) cellulose, so hemp cellulose and hemp cellulose combined with other plant fibers can be made into any plastic material. In the book we call it, instead of plastics, it's plantics. And any material that is currently made out of plastic right now can be made out of hemp cellulose. And that one thing, which of course is a billion dollar idea, that one thing can change the world. You look at the great Pacific garbage patch, this massive island of garbage there's actually uh, three of them floating in the ocean right now and the wildlife you know being decimated by our plastic use and it just continues to pile up and if we can take that one just that one nugget of information right now and that's just one of hundreds of things in this book we can change the world amazing um there's a documentary on netflix or um amazon prime that shows mm-hmm. this plastic problem and how we've been shipping it over to China. And China has so much of it, they don't know what to do with it. They were, um, you know, reusing it and recycling it, but now it's too much. I remember being a child and having my father say that he didn't understand how we could be throwing away these containers because prior to that, everything was glass. And and I remember him saying, this is such a waste. How can we be throwing these things away? So um, that sort of sticks out in my mind. That was a point in which plastic was introduced and glass was, you know, sort of put on the, you know, not used as much. Um, Plastic was Mm -hmm. the big thing. Everybody was, you know, wanted it. They marketed it up, too. I mean, there was ads. You saw dancing girls on the stage. They had their, you know, the Tupperwares. It was, you know, it was a generational shift. And now, the young people today, it's just normal. Whereas your father's generation, you know, it didn't sit right with him. 
And so now we have this opportunity, but we are the consumers. So each one of us has that power. Each one of us, every time we buy something, we're making a vote, we're casting a vote. And so we need to, you know, Pax talks about a shift in consciousness, the raising of consciousness. And so it is the consciousness that will create the global power necessary to affect change. And that's just igniting each person. So if you imagine this world of ours and each person is this little light, you'll see all these pops of light start. And that's, you know, consciousness virally spreading around the world. But each one of us can do that. And that's what we hope to do with this book. Now, Pax says that if we don't, do this, if we don't become conscious about this and mindful about what's going on, that we only have like three or four years before something is going to happen. Do you know what that something is? Eight to 12 years is what he says. Yeah, eight to 12 years um, before it's a fail-safe point and uh, Earth is no longer repairable. He also goes on, and Penelope will discuss that further, he goes on to talk about um, colonizing other planets for life uh, off of Earth because we have reached a place where Earth will not support the population. We have decimated our resources to that extent. So um, there will be people leaving Earth to colonize elsewhere, while people do remain behind here on Earth to effect repair um, as best they can. But what Pax is meaning is reaching a fail-safe point in that 8 to 12 years. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that just means That's... it doesn't mean the world will end in 12 years. That means that if we get to that point without changing our trajectory at all, then by that 8 to 12 years from now, it will be too late for healing all of the planet. And he has said that even parts of your planet have already begin, have begun to die already right now as we speak. So, you know, we need to change that trajectory. And, it, you know, you wonder how unconscious we all must be. You know, and I say we because we, again, we are the consumers. That's, you know, me too. And how unconscious we must be to continue doing what we do knowing that, these items land in, you know, in landfills and that our air is not clean and our water is not clean and we're growing our food with this. It's, I mean, it's asinine. It really is. It is. Yeah. And, yeah, and when you think about the bottled water, I mean, years ago there was no bottled water. <laughs> you drank the water. And, uh, mm-hmm. and now everybody's just buying cases and cases and drinking them all the time and throwing these bottles away. It's insane how many it bottles is. Randy, are out there. I have a, a friend of mine who is the publisher of a major spiritual magazine, and she does a lot of work in Egypt. And she and I, before coronavirus, of course, we sat down and had breakfast one morning when I was um, out on the West Coast, and she was telling me how every time she goes to Egypt, it just breaks her heart because the tourists, and this is a tourist location, and there are many in the world, but imagine the tour buses by these thousands of tour buses every day. And what they do is they give every tourist a bottle of water or as many as they want that day. And they do not have a recycling program in Egypt. Now, I'm not picking on Egypt. This is one place. But imagine how many, we're talking about millions a day in one country that doesn't recycle. And they go, you know, they go into the oceans and they go into the landfills. Mind-blowing. So much of this is mind-blowing. You know, that's the word that that, com- that comes out of me. And, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, what's really interesting about bottled water, and this is just an aside, but, um, you know, I drink alkaline water, and bottled mm-hmm. water is very acidic, very acidic. Mm-hmm. It is so bad for us. So you know if you mm-hmm. if you go get a test and you and you you know test it like a litmus or whatever it is, you will not believe how acidic that water is, uh, even more than than your natural drinking water. So it's not good for us. And I don't know who came mm-hmm. up with this idea, but <laughs> it's taken off and it's not a good idea. Yeah. 
There are a lot of uh, ideas that somebody out there wants to make money. So they're making something, and the consumers just eat it up. It's just like there is some idea that if they sell it, it must be allowed and it must be okay. And yes. it's, it's not. We have to take back, and I know Carol wants to talk about empowerment. Go ahead, Carol. Pax speaks a lot. Oh, of, yeah, um, Carol. So talks on empowerment. He speaks a lot of our own empowerment to take back our power. Yeah, he does. It's it, if I can say, it's a personal passion of Pax um, that people take back their their own power or or recognize it, you know, for the first time and make wise choices and decisions that. Um, are not just following the herd, you know, our current topic of of bottled water. um, It's a generational thing. Everybody has a bottle of water with them. Um, But when people realize uh, what you've said, Randy, about the quality of that water, as well as the the end result of, of having all that plastic waste, People have decisions to make, and Pax wants to speak with people about their ability um, to be a leader in in their world, not a follower. And a great deal of his um, dialogue is encouraging people to understand they, in fact, have the power um, to make their choices and make their decisions and trust in themselves. It's it's about trust in self, and also he talks a lot about trust in one's higher self um, to always guide them in the right direction. And um, too often people tend to follow. They don't have the strength of their own convictions or recognize that they they can lead. And in the Do Unto Earth books, there's a lot of talk about um, following your heart, trusting in yourself, making the right choices for your environment, uh, for your family, for yourself. Um, it's a lesson in in strength, really. What does Pax say about climate change? Is oh. it a real thing? <laughs> oh, <laughs> sure is. Obviously a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, go Penelope. <laughs> yeah, I dug into that because... You know, we do hear a lot of people, there are climate change deniers, there's people who believe that the earth just simply goes through natural cycles. And so I asked Pax, and I come from my own frame of reference is to be open-minded, that's my thing. And so I came at it, you know, it may not have been the answer that I thought it was going to be. I didn't know what was going to come back. And so I asked this question, and indeed, climate change is a real thing, and indeed, we have something that we have not experienced before. He does say that the Earth has gone through and continues to go through natural cycles. That is true. And in addition to that being true, it is also true that since the Industrial Revolution, we have had a spike in our temperatures to the point that Pax says that we in the spirit world, no, that's quoting him, we in the spirit world see your world glowing in heat. And that it is unprecedented and it will be, you know, it it will have planet Earth meet its end if it doesn't stop. It's far out of the normal natural cycles. Interesting to know. So right now, in our world and in our lifetime, we have seen the contrast between darkness and lightness. We've seen the people who are um, positive in this world, the people who are uh, angry and causing problems in this world. There's always been this you know, black and white or dark and light kind of aspect. Are we headed for more of a utopian society? Um, or will, will these kind of things continue? It's such a great question. We, we t- it's almost like you've read the book, Randy, because we <laughs> speak of these things very specifically. And Pax says that in the end, light always wins over darkness, and that 
you know, light is all there is. And so it's a matter of clearing the clouds. And those clouds are both, you know, literal as well as metaphorical. Clearing the clouds of the, you know, pollution and the toxins in in our life. And that when those are cleared, you know, the sun is always shining. So the, the good, the light is always there. So that dichotomy exists. But as we raise consciousness, and that's done virally, that's done through you know, uh, Carol talks to one person and they talk to five people. You know, it's this exponential thing. Randy Fine talks to one person on a radio show. Now there's thousands of people and they talk to more. So as it spreads and as the consciousness spreads throughout the world, we'll begin to have a raising of consciousness, a collective consciousness. And the, you know, the, the hope is, you know, that movement towards world peace is, that we raise consciousness to the point that we no longer wish to hurt each other, we no longer wish to war, we would have no interest or ability to hurt animals, to hurt others, to um, be fighting within our own families, let alone countries. And so that is the raising of consciousness that does that. In the work that I do, well, actually, in having done these shows for so many years and talked to so many people, over 500 people, um, what I've realized is how awakened, awakened the population is getting. Because many years ago, when I was into this stuff, into metaphysics and all these kind of things, I was a weirdo. <laughs> and I had, nobody to re- I had nobody to relate to. And as I'm doing this show, I'm finding that people are waking up at incredible rates. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I know that we are moving towards that. And some say that we're actually, we sort of have a foot in and out of the fifth dimension. And um, so I'm wondering if he spoke to that at all, the di- dimensions mm-hmm. or, um, yeah. <laughs> You've read the book. <laughs> <laughs> and I've just talked to so many people. Okay. Um, no, really. What does he say about yep. that? He speaks of the, well, the fifth dimension and as well as the fourth dimension, and we're currently in the third dimension. So the fifth dimension is a utopia. It is, you know, peace on earth, as you would expect. And the fourth dimension bridges the gap between the third and the fifth. And he does speak about that. Carol, would you like to speak to what Pax has to say on that? Uh, I think you better go for this one. Um, Randy, <laughs> let me just explain something to you. The type of channeling I do, given that I'm in an altered state of consciousness, uh, renders me, for the most part, um, unable to m- remember um, what we have channeled together. And unless I've reread recently, uh, it's gone from my memory. So Penelope, on the other hand, has total recall. We're a good team. Uh, We're a good team. And not only that, the, I've done the she, audio book, so I do. She has it memorized. So um, okay. over to you. Got so, it. Randy, when you talk about how it is more prevalent nowadays to be able to talk about these things, that's absolutely true. It's now part of our vernacular to talk about spiritual and metaphysical things. And it wasn't long ago. I remember when I was a teenager, my father told me about a near-death experience. He had a near-death experience where he died in the hospital, was pronounced dead, and they brought him back. Well, that had happened when I, I don't even believe I had, was born yet. And the first I heard of it was 19 years later. Because it wasn't something that you could talk about. That was, you know, you'd be considered crazy if you said something like that. You saw a tunnel and, you you know, all of these things. Right. And right. that is how it was. And he was reading, my, my father was reading Dr. Deepak Chopra, you know, way before it was popular. It was just a very Eastern thing. And I would immerse myself in his library. And so I grew up with these as... Um, fairly standard, you know, way to talk, but my family was also Catholic, and that kind of took over, and so it was just more of that Catholic, um, Catholic, uh, you know, culture within our home, but I have to say, I credit so much of the popularity of spirituality to Oprah Winfrey, because she was able to take what was 
maybe on the fringe or just part of a California movement of flower children in the 70s and bring it back. And not only that, bring books back and bring, bring it into popularity that it's okay to talk about these things and simultaneously be religious or believe in, you know, God, Allah, Jesus, whatever your religious uh, belief system is, that you can do that and this, that you can also develop your own spirituality as well as have those beliefs. And so she was one of many, but I think paved the way because she, her and her show were so very popular. Mm, you're right. You know, I hadn't really thought about that, but you're right. She did pave the way. Oh, amazing. Um, so, um, hmm, what else do I want to? I want to ask you about aliens. What's what's the deal with aliens? I mean, I believe oh, they ex- so I believe they exist. I believe they exist. Uh-huh. So they walk among <laughs> us. That's what I thought. One of my one of my favorite <laughs> topics. Yeah, mine you know, too. I, uh, Pax is very fond, um, actually. I think of of talking about extraterrestrials and. Um, he he credits them with keeping a constant eye on us, uh, or as he refers to it, buzzing by our planet to check on us. That's his term. They buzz by regularly to check on us. But um, at present, there's nothing here that they want. Our world, our, our planet, is in such a mess uh, there's nothing here that they want. So um, this is what we've been told. So they continue to monitor. Um, they continue to support us in their own way. But um, are they here uh, in various forms? Apparently, yes. Right, Penelope? Oh, yes. No, it's, it's just it's um, absolutely fascinating what they want, and I asked that question, well, what do they want? You know, what do they want with humanity? And Pax said, well, it's just their interest in your civilization. And I said, well, you know, what of our civilization? He said to pick apart the word civil. They are interested in how we are coming along in our evolution and how civil we are to each other and that when we were star-seeded, that's the term star-seeded to planet Earth, from various other planets, that this was the Planet Earth Project. And the Planet Earth Project specifically was to put people from many different worlds together on one planet and, and, and see how their civilization developed, how their unity among races and people developed. And we're still working on that today. And it's just amazing that that was the impetus of civilization on planet earth was that very project this planet earth project of unity harmony uh peace between peoples and we're we're still in such a mess with that right now so the ets um oh my goodness going back to the very beginning of the book it was one of my early questions because i was so interested in that and one of my first questions was you know, some people think that we're not really from planet Earth because we're the only species that just is so, you know, doesn't get along with the rest of nature, is not harmonious with the rest of nature. And my question, I don't even know if, I, I certainly did not expect the answer. And I was amazed. And I, you know, the question was, so, you know, some people think that we're not from this planet. Are we, are we really from somewhere else? And Pax says, indeed you are. Uh, from other worlds light years away and that will be controversial and so it opened up this book kind of like buckle up you're in for a ride because <laughs> I wasn't ex- and, and so I couldn't just okay let's talk about the environment because you've just opened this can of worms that you know it's like pausing a sequel no I, I need to know about this so we did speak about that um, at, at great length and I asked about Roswell in 1947, and it was very interesting that Pax said that there were eight spacecraft that came that day. It was an arranged meeting between the United States government and the ETs, and they were coming to share technology with us, and instead the U.S. military decided to shoot down one of the spacecraft, so seven left, and one was shot down, and one of the 
crew persons survived for a period of time, and our U.S. military did test on them, and they eventually succumbed to their injuries and passed away. And it's just it was just the most fascinating information that they were coming to help us. And I asked, are there any, you know, he often referred to our friendly interstellar supporters, that they are our ancient ancestors. And I said, you know, you often say this friendly, ETs are friendly, they're always friendly. Are they all friendly? Because we believe that there must be many different kinds and we're, a lot of people are in fear of aliens. And, and he confirmed that there are only friendly interstellar supporters, that they are highly evolved beings that operate by their higher selves. In fact, they are their higher selves. This is the speed at which they operate. And they wish only to help us advance, but they're not going to hand over the technologies for advancement when we're so devolved in our consciousness at the moment, this time in history, that we would use those technologies for war or to plant flags on other planets. And so if we were given the solutions to interstellar travel at light speed, for instance, that we would end up just, you know, fighting over territory and space and all of these things. So they stand back at this time and support us from afar, but, you know, they're there for us uh, to tap into their wisdoms if we could just raise our consciousness. And the humanity... They remain removed from us um, visually for the most part uh, because they they understand that they would be met with aggression. Um, Mm. They they just can't you know show up and land a spacecraft um, and find themselves in a peaceful environment. They understand that there would be there would be guns involved and um, fear based on fear. So. Um, mm-hmm. They are keeping their distance, but but caring for us in their own way. Wow, it's, it's it's wonderful to know that you know that there are entities out there that are looking out for us and curious about us. And um, and now I definitely believe you know I I don't remember uh, who I interviewed, but there's um, I think there's a doctor in Israel, a female doctor in Israel that has come up with some amazing things, and she identifies herself as alien. Oh, uh, is she? Yeah, yeah. Um, and you I, know, I, wish I, I wish I could remember um, where I got that information, but it's definitely from one of my guests from one of the books I have. Last night um, I was watching um, a news program and uh, um, a couple of others uh, to follow, and th- there were scientists absolutely matter-of-factly saying, yes, uh, our human race uh, came from another planet. They, as a matter-of-fact, identified Mars. Uh, And they they were so calm and, as I say, matter-of-fact about it, I was a bit shocked because people of science don't usually take this direction. But they said, oh, yes. You know, humanity came from uh, probably Mars, and they went on to discuss that. So, huh, it's becoming mainstream. And Pax says not Mars, though. Pax says specifically that not life in this solar system yeah, in that for, way, but in other places and in other galaxies even. Yeah. So Star Trek kind of had it right, you know, when they were <laughs> when they were visiting all these different um, um, universes yeah, they and, did. and solar systems. They did and in they, and Yeah, and there was like Earth-looking things and people living and <laughs> so. Um, yeah, no, it was interesting because I asked about Star Trek technology of teleportation, and teleportation is a thing according to Pax, but it is a thought process and not done with technology. So none of those pieces of equipment that you see see in Star Trek would even be necessary for teleportation. It's a thought process. And right. he says that that what's interesting is that you know one day you realize that you were there the whole time. And it kind of knocked me off my seat because you're all places at once. And so then becomes a mind process, a, sorry, a thought process. 
where you and would so like to be, where your consciousness that's is. where we're headed. So there's no beam me up, beam me up, Scotty. There's, it's just <laughs> no. <it's a> <laughs> we yeah, beam ourselves. Yeah, simpler than that. Yes, yeah, and he's yeah. referring to our future travel as being at the speed of thought. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is at light speed, but we also aspire to travel at the speed of thought. Amazing. And, and travel, actually, you know, that's um, you know that's what is represented as being on the other side when we pass, when we leave our physical bodies. That it is all about thought and what we create through thought. So I'm just wondering mm-hmm. how you know how all this is going to connect at some point. But um, so so interesting. We have that ability yeah. now. He says we have unlimited potential. And it is that thought power, but it doesn't happen just because we have unlimited potential. Like, for instance, Randy, you and I do not channel packs. Carol channels packs because she studied and practiced for many years. Now, I do XYZ, and Carol doesn't because I studied and practiced XYZ for X number of years. So it's the same thing. So our thought power will be done that way, and it will be done by practice and by a conscious effort. So we have the abilities. We do. Yeah, I do. I do believe that. Yeah, I mean, I know I that I, I do channel, um, not consciously, but when I counsel, when I coach people, um, I know I'm channeling information because sometimes I don't even know what I'm saying. After I said it, I don't even know I said it. So. Oh yeah, and um, I automatic right. So we all have channeling on different levels, I believe. But yeah, um, absolutely. specifically absolutely. The, the energy that Carol's connected to, um, mm-hmm. I, I channel, I would say I channel my higher self is what I've always said. The automatic cool. rating, but through higher self-consciousness. Right. Wow. So we're we're out of time, really. No, <laughs> but I already? I think I'm going <laughs> to... I think I'm going to have you ladies back because uh, when is that? When is um, your book coming out? Today. <laughs> it's okay. actually available in Kindle now. So Do Unto Earth is available on Amazon and Kindle already. It's okay. also, you can pre-order the audio book, which is officially out September 22nd. The paperback is expected today. So anytime now that will populate on Amazon. And if anyone's looking for any of these things, all the links, all the places, just go to PaxWisdom.com. It's all linked there, so it's really the best place to go for that, for the other books, The Likely Future, for everything. And Pax is P-A-X. P-A-X, which means peace, means messenger of peace. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that amazing? Well, I'm going to have um, Dia, your publicist, um, send me a copy of that book. I will read it, and then I will have you back. Then I will have you back. Thank you. Uh, and, and we'll talk and some we more about And we will have this. our coffee. We'll have our coffee and we'll be ready to chat with you. <laughs> Why? Is it early for you? Well, well it's 8, Not 8 a.m. my time. <laughs> okay. No, All you right. know what? Actually, we're neighbors, Randy. I'm in Naples, Florida. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm in Fort Lauderdale. So you and I can have so. coffee one day in person. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're just across Alligator Alley from me. I mean, I'm, all, in, I'm on in one fact, end. right at the end of Alligator Alley. Yes. I am on exactly. The community I live on was built on um, the Everglades. And our highway, our closest highway, is Alligator Alley. So you and oh, I are funny. just this straight shoot so you're at the other end yes (laughs) my husband and i just bought a two acre property and if you took alligator alley from your house and kept going you would land at our house (laughs) so cool okay well i have to go or we're going to get cut off i am so excited that um you came on my show and as i said we're going to do this again because i could talk to you all day (laughs) many Uh, many blessings to you Okay, thank to you. Too. I will be back in touch, okay? Have thank a wonderful you, Randy. day. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. So we are out of time today, but if you have any comments or questions about today's show, you can email me at loveyourlife at randyfine.com. May joy and serenity always be yours. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed today's show. 
Visit randyfine.com, R-A-N-D-I-F-I-N-E.com, and be sure to sign up to receive updates on the latest blog posts, events, and upcoming shows. Thank you for listening.